Good morning, church. Hope you're off to a great day so far and enjoying your summer. I'm definitely excited to be able to be preaching the Word of God for us this morning. Uh, but before we jump into that, I want to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for your support as we venture out to plant this new campus region of the church. This next month, we'll be finalizing our team and spending a lot of time together in prayer and fasting, connecting and building our faith and dreaming together and planning together. And I definitely want to ask all of you to be praying for this with us. Now, I'm excited to be sharing updates and good news with you all as it develops. This morning's topic is the story of deep relationships. An incredible young woman, Jada Zephyr from Brooklyn, who serves on our core leadership team for the city campus, is going to share about finding deep relationships in Jesus' church. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jada Zephyr, and I'm a part of the campus ministry in Brooklyn. It's about to be two years since I've become a disciple of Jesus, and honestly, it's the best decision I've ever made in my life because it's changed completely. And the people around me can see that as well, especially in my friendships. When I first decided I was going to study the Bible, I was super excited to start this new journey, but it was so discouraging to know that all the people who I considered to be my close friends, they took me as a joke. I got laughed at, made fun of, ridiculed, condemned, because life I was living previously was the complete opposite of what God would consider as righteousness. They tried to sabotage my studies, my attendance to church, and my overall decision to make Jesus the Lord of my life, but in being determined and committed to wanting to change my always and my habits and fighting for a relationship with God, I learned to surrender, and I finally succeeded. One thing that caught my attention was that the relationships here were different. When I first attended one of the meetings of the body, the fellowship and the loving community that surrounded me, it just, I felt like I was in a movie. It felt too good to be true. And deep down, it was something I desperately, desperately craved. I just couldn't understand, and I couldn't wrap my head around the concept of how so many people could be so kind and genuine towards each other without any ulterior motive. Because that was the end of the stick that I was used to receiving, which caused me to always have my walls up around people and be defensive. Okay, quick story. I remember it was my second or possibly third time I was at an event, and someone I met previously asked me the following week how my exam went. Mind you, I forgot their name completely, but I played it off with the, hey, you, <laughs> and uh, the crazy thing was they actually remembered mine, and they told me they'd been praying for me to pass, which I did, thank God, and I was just so shocked that they actually remembered me. And they prayed to God for me. I never felt so loved by a complete stranger. You know what I mean? I'm so grateful to God now that I have many friends who love me and who care for me in the ways that are just so pure and whom I can go to for great biblical advice and prayer in any kind of circumstance. However, it's not always that pretty. But that's another thing why I love the relationships in Jesus' church. It's that when things do get rocky, and we're called to listen, we're called to love, forgive, and reconcile with one another. Disciples have been rude to me. They said things that hurt my feelings and offended me. But thank God for grace and forgiveness. Because, baby, I know in the past I would have threw some hands. And I would have had some words to say. But 
thank God that Jesus teaches us to be different in our love for one another. I had to learn to go to God in prayer first and ask him to sort out my feelings, give me strength and give me boldness to be able to speak to those individuals in a loving manner, but still express my hurt and the pain that I felt in my heart so that they can understand where I'm coming from. And at the end, all I felt was peace. It was a huge weight lifted off my shoulders and most of all, understanding. Rather than a burned bridge, bitterness, or broken relationships, I love that in Jesus' church, he teaches us how to have deep relationships where we're there for one another. We love each other. And when we do hurt one another, we can forgive and truly grow even closer. Honestly, I just hope you enjoy these relationships in Christ as well. And thanks for letting me share today. Have a good one. Bye. Wow, thank you so much, Jada. That was awesome. You know, Jada has followed that example and is an incredible friend to so many others in the church today and new people that come as well. You know, like her, our world is looking for authentic and purposeful community where they will find sincere love and truly unified diversity. And I think with all that's happened this last year and a half, the opportunities to drift and isolate are at an all-time high. Never has our world been so connected due to technology and yet so divided and famished for connection. I wholeheartedly believe that the answer and what everyone is looking for is Jesus' church. You know, we may not perfectly live up to it, but God is calling us this morning to the deep relationships that he wants us to have, that we need from each other, and that the world is looking for. Let's read John chapter 15, verse 9 to 17, and learn from Jesus. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. You know, Jesus is nearing the cross here, and this is some intimate time with his disciples, and his main call for them and his, his calling for them is to have deep, godly relationships with each other to love one another and so i have two main points for us about deep godly relationships from this passage this morning and the first point is godly relationships are of greatest power right jesus said greater love has no one than this right that jesus the only righteous one the son of god gave his life on the cross for you and for me. 
for the unrighteous, for sinners. There's no greater love than that, right? And that's what bonds us in the church. What connects us, our identity, who changed us, who loves us, who saved us is Jesus. And no one, nothing is greater than Jesus and his love for us, especially as it's seen on the cross. You know, we are united and bonded by something bigger, something greater, something deeper than any other relationship is. And the result should not be shallow or surfacey relationships. The result should not be hobby or earthly-based relationships. No, they are to be Jesus-based relationships. Deep, spiritual, eternal, genuine relationships with each other. Now, Jesus' greatest love on the cross unites us, but so does his crown. He said, love one another as I have loved you. His love was the bar. And then he said, you are my friends if you do what I command. Right? Jesus is our Lord. And so we do not set the standard of our relationships, and neither does the world. Jesus does. Jesus is the standard. Jesus is our king. And so his epitomizing love and encompassing lordship are the foundation of our relationships. You know, when people have an exceptional experience together, something really positive or something really difficult or negative, but when people have an exceptional experience together, it bonds them. You know, Chelsea and I had the amazing opportunity about a month or so ago to go to the opening concert at Madison Square Garden, right? They've been closed for over the over a year, right, due to the pandemic. And they had an all-vaccinated, fully-open concert with Chelsea's favorite band, the Foo Fighters. And so we went to this, and it was electrifying, right? The crowd was so excited to be together, to be seeing their favorite band, and there were so many people there. Madison Square Garden was covered with banners and signs and billboards saying, Rock has returned to the garden. The garden is back. And it was an amazing three-hour set that they played. The opening uh, act, the lead singer wept and shared that he had dreamed this past year of this moment when he would be playing for a live audience like this again. It was truly a historic moment and a bonding experience. People were still singing as they left the auditorium together. But as we filtered out into the streets, we all kind of went our separate ways, possibly to never see one another again. And you know, that's, that's what it's like with relationships that are based on something temporary. Because the bond of an experience will only be as deep as the significance of the event. Right? And we might bump into somebody else that was there and if I'm wearing a t-shirt from it, they might say, oh, I was there too, and I'll be, oh, that, that's awesome, it was amazing, right? Yeah, but that'll be about it. You know, but we got to realize that what bonds us in the church, the experience, the, the, the event that brought us together is the greatest thing that has ever happened. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And where we are all going together is the greatest place that has ever been heaven and it won't end like a concert it will last forever and we will be there together and so with Jesus's cross and his crown 
bonding us. We can have the greatest, deepest relationships this world and life has to offer. And the fruit of that, what those relationships look like, is clothed with Christ, is based on Jesus' love and his lordship. We treat one another with kindness, with patience, and with great care. We're devoted to one another. We pray for each other and with each other. We show each other compassion and empathy. We speak the truth to one another. We listen to each other. We apologize and forgive one another. We extend grace to each other. We disciple each other, sharpen and support and encourage one another. These are the kind of relationships that Jesus helps us to have. And when we love one another this way, like Jesus said, then John 15 tells us God's love and joy will be complete in our lives. And I can definitely attest to that. I'm so grateful for my deep relationships in the church. The deep connection that we have because of the fact that we've both been saved by Jesus and we're both living for the same thing. And I cannot imagine my life without these people. It's such a tangible display of God's love. You know, who have been those people for you in your life in the church? Why don't you write their names in the chat and lift them up and thank them? Right? And this morning, I want you to think about how can you grow in having this kind of powerful relationships in your life today? Right? This first point is godly relationships are of the greatest power. But secondly, godly relationships are of greatest priority. You know, it's amazing how much Jesus focused on our love for one another and our unity towards the end of his life. You know, earlier, just the same night as John 15, after washing the disciples' feet, in verse 34 and 35, Jesus tells them, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this the world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And then he goes on and John chapter 15 happens. And then later that same night, Jesus is out praying. And we get to hear some of his prayer in John chapter 17. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. You know, there are so many more passages emphasizing this in the Bible. But we got to see here how important this is to Jesus. And if Jesus is our best friend, our Savior, our King, and it was such a high priority to Him that we love one another and are unified and have deep relationships, then this must be a great priority for us as well. And here's three of many reasons why this is such a priority. First, we are Jesus' family. We are God's family. When we were baptized, we were all adopted as God's sons and daughters. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. 
And we are all going to live together in this same home in heaven forever. And so it'll definitely help us out and be good if we love one another. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 10 to 11, it says, This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And later in chapter 4, verse 20, it says, Whoever claims to love God and yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. It is incredibly important to God that we love one another as brothers and sisters. And it even says if we don't love one another, then we don't love him. You know, if you love God, you love his kids. Right? Imagine tell me, Rob, I love you, but I don't really love your kids. Right? I don't, I don't care for Bradley or Tyler. Or imagine telling me that you liked one of my kids, but not the other. Or how would I feel as, as a father if Bradley said he didn't like Tyler? Tyler, I don't love you. Or vice versa. Or maybe he didn't say it, but treated him that way. Right? Here's the thing. When Bradley or Tyler says that they are each other's best friend, right? We'll ask them sometimes, who's your best friend? And they'll say, Tyler's my best friend. Bradley's my best friend. Right? Or when they randomly just say, I love you to each other. Those are some of the most joyful moments for Chelsea and I. We look at each other and we feel loved. We love them even more. Right? And so when you think about that dynamic, consider then how God, our Heavenly Father, who loves deeper than any of us can love. Think about how He must feel about our relationships with each other. How are we making Him feel? Right? Do you view the church as family? Is there anyone you need to forgive, apologize to, accept, or reconcile with? This has got to be one of the greatest priorities because we are God's family. Secondly, our relationships need to be a priority because we need each other to thrive and survive spiritually. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 to 13, the Bible says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We need each other to survive spiritually. And Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 to 16 says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We need each other to thrive and grow spiritually. Right? Deep spiritual relationships help us grow to be mature and to be more like Jesus. And the Bible says without them, you will become deceived and hardened by sin and maybe even not make it. Right? There was not a different Jesus here for each disciple to follow. 
right? When he called you to follow him, either you're going to do that alongside of everyone else who decided to, or you're not going to follow him, right? We are either in this together or we're not in it at all. We cannot do this on our own. You know, the Olympics are going on right now, and you'll see there's there's some team sports in the Olympics, and then there's solo sports. Christianity is not a solo sport. Christianity is a team effort. It is a team sport, and we have got to work together. Consider how we feel about people who live in isolation for any extended period of time. Right? How they start to look, to smell, to act, to think. Right? One time years ago, I was out for a run in the woods in New Jersey. And so I was running on this clearly marked trail in the woods. And I saw a, a path less traveled kind of go off deeper into the woods. And I wanted to go for a longer run. And so I was like, you know, I'll, I'll check this out. And so I was running down that path for a little while. And along the way was this tree that had fallen over. And spray painted alongside of it was just real big, the word pigs. And that just kind of creeped me out. I saw that and I was like, who was out here writing that? And so I tried to shake it off and just kept going. But a little bit down the path, you know, after turning a bend, there was this makeshift hut out in the middle of the woods. There was a chair sitting outside of it, some stuff hanging from a tree next to it. And I immediately saw that. And after, you know, having seen the spray paint, I just got totally creeped out. I thought, I do not want to see whoever lives there, built this, or might be in there. And so I just turned and started running as fast as I could. Right, I lost this makeshift path that I had been on and was just hauling through the regular forest over branches and fallen trees and through prickers and stuff like that. And I must have looked crazy. I eventually found myself back on the main path and slowed down and collected myself. And then I just laughed to myself realizing how ridiculous the whole thing was and how much I must have overreacted. It was probably empty. right? But the truth is, that's how we feel about people who isolate themselves from society. But here's the thing, guys. When we are relationally isolated in the church, and we don't have people in our life to support us, to sharpen us, to strengthen us, to help us out, then we start to spiritually stink and get weird. Sin starts to creep back in. Right? Ungodly attitudes might start to develop in us. We start to get unbiblical ideas or beliefs about different things. Guys, this is not how Jesus designed Christianity to be. We don't do it by ourselves. We do it together. I love Jesus' example in this. In John 15, he said to the disciples, I have made known everything to you. And we see this. Jesus shared his life with them. He was vulnerable. He was open with the disciples. He, he brought them into some of the most intimate parts and times of his life, like in the Garden of Gethsemane. Right? He says that his relationship with God was known to them. It was not a private thing. And this is a deep conviction of Chelsea and mine. You know, we go through our stuff, but a conviction of ours is that we need people in our life who really know us, who know what we're going through, the ups, the downs, and how we're doing spiritually. When we get into disagreements and arguments, when we are hurt, when we're having challenges with our parenting or going through difficult situations, when we need advice about something or when we're needing faith in a certain area of our lives, we want help. And we're so glad that we regularly keep in there a support system 
that knows us and knows our life, that we don't you know, have to fill people in, well, the last few months, here's how we've been, or here's what's been going on. We want people in our life. We need people in our life. We can't do this by ourselves. So how is this going for you? Who knows, like, who really knows how you're doing spiritually? Who knows how you've been? Right, even during this pandemic, have, there been, have you been reaching out so that people are in your life? Right, that people know the hardships you've been through, the stress, the tough days. Right, do people know about the sin that's been going on in your life or in your heart during this last year and a half? Right, is there something that you need to get open about? Something that you need to walk in the light with? Right, and on the other side of that, who have you been there for? Right, we need others to be there for us, but but then we need to be there for others as well. Right, let's not wait for others to, to contact us. Let's initiate like Jesus said. I chose you. He initiated. Right? Let's reach out to others and ask, how are you doing? What can I pray for you about? How are things going? And when people reach out to us, let's really make that a priority. Let's give them our heart and our time and effort and care. Right? Our relationships are a priority because we need each other to survive and thrive spiritually. And lastly, our relationships are a priority because our mission is, is to show and bring Jesus to the world. Think back to Jesus' prayer for our unity in John 17. He said for us to be unified so that the world will know that you sent me. It's like our unity is proof that what Jesus taught works and is real. Think about in John 13, where Jesus said, Love one another. By this, the world will know that you are my disciples. Right today, is the world seeing that we are set apart, true disciples of Jesus, by our unity and love for one another in the church? You know, this week in a quiet time, I read Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. And this is in the context of racial reconciling and unity in the church. It says that his, being God's, intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Right? What this is saying is that when we come together in Jesus with different backgrounds, political perspectives, social status, with different occupations, gifts, experiences, passions, and we forge unity and deep spiritual relationships, it's then that we are able to show the power of the gospel and the manifold wisdom of God to not only this world, but the heavenly realms as well. Man, what a glorious purpose for the church. And I think this is especially important right now because of the polarizing world that we live in. Our society is increasingly separated into camps and choosing sides and I do think that in that is both a great threat and a great opportunity for the church. The Bible says we live in this world, but we cannot be of it. But if we're not careful, it will influence us. And that's why we need to take to heart the intensity and the passion and the concern with which Jesus prayed for our love and for our unity. Right? Jesus said, Jesus taught, that a kingdom divided will not stand. 
Satan heard him say that. Did we? There are both issues in the world and issues in the church that Satan is trying to use to divide us. But we need to make sure that things that divide the world do not divide us. Because what unites us is greater than anything that can divide us. Our relationships must be deeper than political views, race, policy, social status. Our relationships must be deeper. Our unity must be greater than our opinion on disputable matters. We shouldn't have sides in the church because we're all on Jesus' side. Right? As Paul pointedly asks in 1 Corinthians 1.13, Is Christ divided? The answer is a resounding no. Right, brothers and sisters, we need to fight for our unity. Fight for our relationships. Strive to work with God, to work with the Spirit, to build up and build the unity in the body of Christ and not to work with Satan to break it down. In light of Jesus' words, how deep are your convictions for our unity? Right? Is there something that you need to surrender that not everyone in the church has to agree with you on for you to have love and unity towards? You know, like Jada shared, we are going to hurt each other. We're human. We're sinners. We're not going to agree on everything. But what makes us different, like a great marriage, it's not the absence of challenges or differences, but it's the love and the determination to resolve, to reconcile, and to get through it together that makes the relationship strong and deep and genuine and lasting. And so our relationships must be built on the solid foundation of Jesus' love and his lordship. That's our secret weapon that nobody else has. Right? If we are Christ deep in our relationships, then nothing will be able to divide us. And then, as the world is divided, hurting, searching for hope, they will see us. They'll see our relationships and be drawn to Jesus as the light that they are looking for. And so this morning, let's capture God's vision for our relationships. They are of greatest power because of Jesus' cross and his crown being our foundation that binds us. And they are also of greatest priority because we are God's family. And we need each other to survive and thrive spiritually. And because together we show Jesus to the world. Now as we take communion, let's remember that without the cross, there could be no church. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, the Bible teaches that we love because he first loved us. Now in communion, we are remembering Jesus' body. His body that was broken for us and hung on the cross. But we also need to remember his body that is the church. Now he died so we could be his family. And be his family with deep relationships both here on earth and together with him for eternity in heaven. Let's pray for the communion. Good morning, Father. We are so grateful for Jesus. Thank you so much for his body and his blood that we take now in communion. 
to remember what he did for us. God, thank you so much for your plan that the church would be a team sport, that we don't need to do this alone, but we could do this together. And God, I pray that we will fight and we will strive because of how much this matters to you, because we are your family, because together we show Jesus to the world. God, I pray that we will strive wholeheartedly the way you prayed for us to, to have deep, godly, spiritual relationships with each other. God, we know that as we do that, we will experience your love and the fullness of your joy in our lives. God, thank you so much for being with us and forgiving us and giving us your church so we can have each other. In Jesus' name, amen.